Welcome to the ScanSource Europe podcast, bringing you the latest news and industry updates. Hi, and thanks for joining the podcast or the video, whatever it ends up being. Uh, this is the first of the roundtables that we're running. Hopefully it will be a success and popular, and we'll get to run more in a little bit more detail on various different topics. But as an introduction, I'm your chairman for today. Um, I'm the European Technical Director. Uh, COVID seems to have done something to my volunteer gene, and I seem to be volunteering for a lot more than I used to. So that's why I'm in the hot seat, and I've been thinking up some questions to ask. We were going to run this one purely based on ScanSource's survey, um, but sort of events have changed slightly since then, and we decided to include sort of wider stats from what uh, various different people are sort of reporting. Um, I'm going to introduce you to the team. Um, let's check we're not doing a Brad, everybody, and make sure you're off mute. So um, introduce yourself. Ladies first. Hi, everyone. I'm Lucy, and I'm one of the vendor business managers at Scansource. Steve. Uh, hi, I'm Steve McLaughlin. So I'm in the technical uh, team for the UK, and I'm a technical team leader. Okay, and John. Hi guys, uh, John Grundy, key account manager, representing the sales side. Yeah, I'm invited sales. Okay, <laughs> anyway, right, and marketing have got their hands on this, and I do need to give a disclaimer. So the views that we're going to be sharing on this are the individuals concerned, rather than expressing the view of scan source. So disclaimer aside, let's get on. So. On our survey, 80% of respondents have said that they've been asked to supply products that are outside of their ordinary portfolio. And a lot of this has been driven by Zoom and Teams uptake. But let's ignore the obvious of headsets and USB devices. But question one, um, and Steve will go to you for this one. Zoom has seen a monthly 300% increase on users month on month despite there being some initial concerns about the security on Zoom at the beginning. What options does a reseller have if they're being asked to supply Zoom rooms and it's not in their portfolio, and why consider them? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, the first thing is you said ignore headsets and, and cameras and stuff, but it, it's a really important topic to, to focus on making sure that people have the right headsets and the right cameras, because even though there's going to be a return to the workplace, people are going to continue using them and there may have been a, a grab for cheap and free early on. And But to come back to your other point, you know, just Zoom in general and on the other products that you talked about, there's going to be um, a continuation of using more and more video going forward. So whereas video was popular in the past, it's now mainstream. So actually, as people return to the workplace, you're going to start seeing people wanting to go back into meeting rooms which also means that there's going to be then discussions about how do I join a Zoom call from a video endpoint that we may never have connected to it before. And the other kind of things to bear in mind is Zoom do a voice platform. So there's going to be customers and partners looking at Zoom voice. Um, and with any any micro, uh, any products and services to, to cloud, it means you've got to focus on your internal network and your, your internet connectivity as well. So a lot of things that our partners can get involved in um, just around the periphery of that. Okay, Lucy. Yeah, I think I agree with everything Steve's just said, but from my perspective, as someone that's been involved in video quite a lot, 
from a hardware side, I think you've got that uh, constant turmoil of do I go with a dedicated device or do I go with a bring your own device? And I think with Zoom, that can be the beauty where it, you've either got the option of the native devices and the dedicated ones, or you can be more flexible and have those open devices. And um, people still have got to use their laptop in the workplace. Uh, I think we've got to remember that it's not all about the Kodak, although there certainly is still a place for it. Um, we need to make sure that people are able to work from anywhere. So the BYOD opportunity that presents itself with Zoom and the flexibility that gives to a partner presents itself with a lot of opportunities. Okay, and John, what sales is take on that? I pretty much echo what Steve and Lucy have already said. There's a much wider conversation to be had around audio integration, meeting rooms, peripherals, remote working, and then you've got the wider technologies, the impact it's going to have on the network and and you know your resilience in that sense. There's going to be more people using video, whether that's in the office or at home. There's going to be more of an expectation to have better solutions available. So for partners being asked for Zoom rooms, there is that immediate quick win, but there's also a great opportunity to open doors to much wider, bigger sales. Sure. And I should point out that other cloud video providers are available. Although if it's got to be Zoom, we also do that via our cloud services now as well. So we can give you everything. So the second part of the question, and um, John, we'll start with you on this one. Some resellers would say, and I will point out, mainly not Microsoft resellers, uh, that a 700% jump month on month of Teams users is a bad thing for the traditional UC, AV and video partners. What do you think? And is there an opportunity there? Maybe controversial, but I personally think it's a great thing. Uh, yes, there might be some pitfalls that I'm sure some of the other guys will cover off, but for me, the increase in awareness and the increase in usage, especially around teams, is making organizations and end users much more aware and much more reliant on unified comms, on video, on conferencing generally. And anything that can act as a catalyst to increase that adoption for our industry is absolutely superb in my opinion. There's an opportunity on the endpoint sales, there's an opportunity on the licensing sales, on the consultation side of things. And although it might be all predominantly teams, and that's the main focus at the moment, there is going to be organizations that try teams and then maybe want to move away. It might not have the right functionality, uh, it might not be right for their culture. So end users, whether they're selling the Microsoft licenses themselves or not, have got a really, really big landscape and, and a lot of business to capitalize on. Okay. Lucy? I mean, yeah, I can understand John's point of view, but let's face it, Microsoft can be quite restrictive. Um, first of all, that percentage you've given, it's a fantastic number, great growth. But what kind of licensing is that? How much do we see of that? Is it IM? Is it audio? Is it video? Is it all three? We all know there's a cost associated. So I think you can't take those kind of numbers as completely legitimate. They need to be broken down. So with that in mind, let's say that it's uh, a lot of video. Yes, for our AV partners, there is a consultation factor. But that consultation factor, a lot of the time, can be, right, we need to rip out your hardware now because it doesn't work with Microsoft. They're forcing you to work a certain way. Now, luckily, we've got um, a few vendors that are able to interrupt with Microsoft and are able to offer um, a few different alternatives to get into that Microsoft environment and still keep the existing hardware. But, you know, from that first point, they are forcing you down a rabbit hole in certain scenarios. And we need to be mindful that that way of working will work for the whole workforce. So without coming across 
quite so negatively. There is definitely some positives with Microsoft and, and that growth and the opportunity that it presents our market. But I think people need to be very educated uh, before going into that to understand all the nuances around it. Okay. So think twice before diving in. Perfectly said. I was say, Lucy almost agreed, almost agreed with me then. Yeah. Yeah, we almost. Almost. and we've got it, it recorded <laughs> and we are recording you're right we've got proof steve what's the view from a techie well well being the techie being the geek um i guess the first thing i want to know is with anything is what can i connect to it what can i plug into it what what can we try and break um it's it's similar to Zoom in some aspects because again we need headsets, we need cameras, we need to equip a, a user with all the right tech to to, to use the, the solution properly. But it's it's more so because then we start talking about things like audio comms and devices. If we're going to be kitting out meeting rooms, there's going to be a need for a Starfish phone, um, which just does just does audio in a Teams environment. And then we go into the overall meeting room solution again looking at how meeting rooms can be utilized, what kit they've got already, what kit uh, they can install, or whether we need some kind of interrupt services. But then even further than that, we've got the PBX replacement again. A lot of customers are moving their traditional PBXs to Microsoft because it's so flexible um, as a phone system. So then we're into discussions around, well, you know, not everybody's going to use a soft phone. Who needs a handset, which is Teams, you know, Teams compatible? Um, then you've got to look at things like core recording. How are we going to record specific calls that need to be recorded that might need to be PCI compliant, MIFID and all of that kind of stuff? And if customers are moving, you know, the PBX to Teams, are they doing it in one full blast? Or are they going to do a migration? Are they going to retain their SIP trunks? So ultimately, there's some integration and, and that's where our session border controllers generally come into play as well. So yeah, lots to get stuck in with for, for us techies. Okay, marvellous. Thank you. And yeah, we have got it recorded, Lucy. You do agree with sales occasionally. Um, Old habits die hard. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, well, we're pretty fortunate, you know, when you, you look at those last couple of stats that we actually sit nicely across the UC, the AV and the video. And interestingly, our, our survey has shown that 70% of those that are being asked for more products are actually looking at diversifying and taking new products on board. Yeah, you know, other than new roll bikes and hand sanitizer, which we could have all made a killing on a few months ago had we got onto that, what advice would you give a partner that's looking at onboarding a new product? And Lucy, let's go with you on that one. I would say don't do it, but let's face <laughs> it, you know I'm kidding. We know right now diversification is key, especially for AV integrators. The workplace has changed dramatically and people need to stay on top of that. The network's becoming a more important feature and to understand that, I think, can take a whole new level. You might need new people. You might need to um, bring in new expertise, whether that be permanently or as a train-the-trainer type role, and that can be costly. Um, you need to make sure that you're doing it smoothly and that you've thought about all the complementary areas and with that, I think you need to make sure that you're not just going, again, down a rabbit hole. Um, that's where we're able to help. The vendor is able to help to show who else um, you can work with and who else you can bring into your portfolio so that you do have as much diversification as possible, but while still maintaining that level of expertise that you need um, and that you've been held holding in your AV world. Okay. Well, you've not mentioned anything on sort of agency or wholesale there, but, I mean, would you... 
would you sort of consider agency worth looking at? Oh, definitely. You can't turn away. You can't just turn away any sector. You've got to at least investigate. However, for an AV partner, someone who has got an installation team, probably a strong sales team, a technical team, to suddenly switch from that market and go, right, we're going to go on a monthly recurring revenue and where those margins are somewhat diminished until you start to build that up, um, you are going to have a bit of a bind and you've got to think about that cash flow area. Okay. But again, think of it more as a managed service wrap that you can add to it maybe. Okay. 100%. Okay. Thank you. Steve, your view. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously our traditional two streams of partners, which have traditionally been UC on one side and AV on the other, those two technologies, those, those, those industries are coming together more and more. And because of all this new stuff around Microsoft and Zoom, it's, it's actually never been easier for our, you know, partners, you know, AV partners to do UC and vice versa. Use our pre-sales team to, you know, understand the technology a bit better when you've got live opportunities. 200 years experience across the team, by the way. Um, and all of these solutions now are so much simpler to adopt and deploy. And, you know, specifically around phone systems, Microsoft Teams is the back end, so you don't need to be configuring that. Um, so that's kind of out of scope a little bit. So it's a lot easier to, to, to get involved in these technologies that maybe partners weren't involved with as much in the past. And don't forget, underneath all of that is the plumbing, the network. That is more important than ever. People think they've got good video quality at home when they're on calls. They probably have. Most networks back in the office haven't, and that's going to be key. Okay. Thank you. John? Um, well, one thing I would definitely recommend to the to partners I've worked with and further afield is there seems to be quite a, a quick smash and grab in terms of getting the cheapest products available as quickly as possible and just, you know, flogging it to the market. And although that's worked in the first couple of months because of the demand, I think there's going to be a bit much bigger focus now for the consultative sale, actually looking about what a product is for, what a particular vendor's market offering is, seeing where that fits, seeing where it complements your existing offerings and seeing how likely you are to be successful in the long term. And I think one thing that's absolutely key to that is working closely with distributors and vendors, not just because we're from distribution, but because if you've got that full channel support, you're going to have a much more likely success rate, uh, a much higher success rate in, in converting your opportunities. So as Steve's mentioned, we've got in-house pre-sales. You might not have those experience, that experience in, in your organization, but you can lean on us without having to wait to take on new staff, train up new, uh, new starters. So, there's a lot more support and assets available to the partners out there than they might be aware of. And having that behind you can be the difference between being successful and, and actually winning opportunities that maybe historically you wouldn't have had the, the ability to do so. Okay. I will do a shameless plug and mention that we can also install and support it as well as pre-sales it. So of course, full delivery. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wayne, Wayne, by the way, did you manage to sell all those toilet rolls you bought early on? Uh, no, but I am slowly getting through them. Let's put it that way. Um, what about <laughs> vendor accreditations? So, you know, you're looking at bringing a new product on. Are we able to guide someone through the sort of minefield that is what you need to jump through hoop-wise? Um, yeah, well, definitely we can do that as well. So working with partners to train them, upskill them, get those accreditations met, or going back to the point you mentioned earlier about agency models as well. 
depending on what the vendor is and what the offering is, there might not need be a need to be onboarding if you're working with distribution. So that's why it's absolutely key to have that full communication through the channel to make sure that what you're onboarding with and what you're taking to the market, you can do it as quickly and as efficiently, but also as properly as possible. Okay. Makes sense. I'm sold. <laughs> Tell me something. Job done. <laughs> uh, thank you. Right. Um, Working from home, I mean, I must admit now, I'm one of those that's pretty much had enough of working from home. We're at a point that my cat is now talking back to me, and that is never, ever a good sign. But Nemertes, um have released uh, one of their surveys, and 91% of global organisations are now supporting working from home as standard. And that's up from 68% before the lockdown and COVID kind of broke. And yet a Gartner report, is showing that staff that actually want to stay working from home has dropped from 63% to 52% since lockdown. And I'm definitely one of those. Um, what impact do you think the equipment they're using is actually contributing to that fatigue and then wanting to get back into an office? And how could we improve it? And Lucy, we'll start with you on that one. Well, quite simply, it's just a massive impact. Um, I think I've heard of it from several friends, colleagues. It it becomes tiresome. You know, it's not just blue screens. It's not on comfy chairs. I think, John, you're a prime example of that. Um, you've got incorrect height with screens, incorrect posture. Um, to echo kind of what John said in his previous uh, <laughs> comment, it isn't a one-size-fits-all, and you do need that consultative approach. I mean, look at us all on, on this podcast video now. You've got Steve with a binaural headset. Me and John have got Voyages from Polly. Wayne, you're going uh, free, just so your cat can hear, I imagine. Um, it isn't a one-size-fits-all. We need to make sure that um, you are looking at the different personas, especially with headsets. How are people working? What What's right for people? I mean, I've had to go get my work chair because I, I was sitting in... Uh, bad positions. I've now been lucky enough to get a camera from Polly as well as this headset. And all of that has helped me be more productive. I think my boss will tell you at the beginning how much I complained to how, how I do now. And quite frankly, I've got a great setup at home. I now love the working from home balance, not because I get to open a bottle of wine at six o'clock, um, but because I'm, able to, because I'm able to get the best of, of, of both worlds. So that's the original point it had a massive impact uh, not just on uh, your your productivity at work but on your emotional view for the day of uh, how much you're looking forward to logging on to work are you going to resent sitting in that seat for the rest of the day i'm not no i must admit the, the morning commute is somewhat less hectic <laughs> i have to come down my stairs maybe crossing with the cat but then I'm sat ready to go but yeah sitting at my dining room table is not ideal John Mr bad back person tell us your view very topical thank you um yeah I mean it is a massive factor like Lucy says having the right equipment in place the right physical setup also the right software the right programs the right unified communications um there is no one size fits all as we've said it's about the individual and what they need and what they prefer and i think one area that we've seen uh, a, a lack of focus in really is around some end user training about how to get the best out of any equipment how to get the best out of any platforms to make sure 
they are fully collaborative they are able to do their job at the best of their ability but at the same time i think we've got to be realistic that no matter how good your home office setup is it's never going to completely replace in person in office working there's got to be a happy balance i think we're going to see a much bigger shift towards remote working that is now going to become a bit more of the norm but it's not going to be the be all and end all yeah okay steve um the, so the only other thing i would say on environment is just lighting lighting is really key as well um i was struggling through the summer when my kids were all at home when they, i was in the conservatory just because it was only place that where they peace and quiet um but yeah for, from a technology point of view the guys have covered all the devices but let's just go back to basics a little bit here and as a home worker you kind of have this mental block sometimes where you think do people think i'm working do they think i'm busy and um, i think it's but there's been a, a tendency for people not used to it to just invite everybody to a meeting and people accepting because i can show that i'm working a lot of that fatigue that we talk about is actually just meeting fatigue it's not necessarily video fatigue it's actually meeting fatigue let's get back to basics let's just keep meetings as brief as possible let's not invite everybody who needs to be on there Maybe have three or four short meetings instead of one big one. Um, and this isn't helping sell technology, but let's just give ourselves a bit of time back in the day and, and, and avoid that. I wholeheartedly agree. I'm hankering for an old-fashioned phone call where I don't have to put my makeup on or do my hair and switch the video on. Which you haven't today, oh. <laughs> I'm hurt, Steve. I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, as this is more of a salesy question, we'll we'll go back to you on this one. But what opportunity from changing the home kit setup do you think there's going to be from all of these people now sort of stay working from home? Yeah, well, there's a massive opportunity and there's many ways to look at it. Obviously, you've got the initial headset camera requirement. And in the early months of lockdown, it was a case of whatever end users get their hands on, order as many as possible and just fire them out to staff. I think the more long-term remote working becomes, the more ingrained and the more uh, kind of normal that becomes, uh, as we've hinted at earlier, there's more of a requirement to have that consultative conversation. What do your individual users actually want? What are they doing with this stuff are they going to be on video calls are they just getting webcams because they've been told to what headset preferences i prefer the wireless style because when i'm on the phone i am wondering about chatting or if you need to run downstairs and shut the dog up or answer the front door as we've all done um but every user is different every user's got a persona as they call it um alongside that as uh, as our pre-sales guys and our technical teams will be heavily involved in is device management how are you actually going to keep on top of this? How are you going to measure that return on your investment? So not just the hardware sale, but the kind of back end of that is a massive opportunity as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially at the minute, you don't want to be sending an engineer running around all over the country to people's homes, getting this kit set up, potentially. Our techies love it, Wayne. They want to go up and down all over the place. They I know that's the salesman's view. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, John. Lucy, swiftly moving on to you. <laughs> um, no, I completely echo what John says, but it's not. I think there are a lot of conversations recently have been, how are you working right now? And then there will be a shift back to the office at some point. And yes, people are aware that there may be a bit of remote working and a bit of that hybrid. But how much of that is going to be hybrid? Because I think that's really interesting. What is the strategy going to be? Will there be a working from home strategy, a hybrid strategy and an office strategy? Because if there are, how are all three of them going to connect to each other? Will there be any issues with different platforms or 
uh, integrations with VPNs or all the technical stuff that I'm not even going to try and that go into. That sounded very techie, Lucy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm learning. Um, but I, I think it goes back to that. We're all, you know, guessing and wondering where the next few months are going to take us. And it kind of goes back to that that big question at the end, how big is what desking going to be after all of this? Um, how much are offices going to be used? How much is working from home going to uh, be happening? And we don't know. So I think now is an opportunity to be able to understand what a company, an end user company, is going to do in each one of those scenarios to try and make sure that you've got the best offering regardless. Okay. Thank you. Steve? Where do you well, see it going? Well, I sold the dog issue because I trade my dog to answer the door and sign for Amazon parcels, so I don't have to leave meetings now. Um, so I think opportunity is technology for sure. Um, also, flat pack IKEA furniture, uh, desks and chairs. By the way, other Swedish flat pack vendors are available. But kind of echoing Lucy's point, it's that setting people up to work where they need to be, whether it be home, whether it be in the office, or whether it be a hybrid of the two. Um, equipping people with the right tools, train them how to use it, and then manage those technologies um, centrally. And again, moving back to headsets specifically, most headsets that have been bought are USB or Bluetooth. When people return to the office and they want to use their headset you know, across all the devices, most of those headsets aren't going to plug into a desk phone. So there's still going to be a headset opportunity. That's not been finished. Woof. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, slightly more serious note on this one, but it needs bringing up really because I think it is going to impact market, and I'd be interested in in your views on that. But a Gallup poll has found that sixty percent of companies that responded had an average of fifty percent of their staff furloughed. Now you don't need to sit for very long or listen to the news for very long to see that. Unfortunately, reduced budgets and revenue is going to mean a lot more of those sort of staff redundancies are, are permanent um, across the board, really. The question is, what impact do you see this having on the marketplace? And we'll start with Steve on that one. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tragic. Um, with the reduction in staff, uh, of course, you know, there's going to be more people or less people, you know, able to do the same jobs, which means that more people are going to be expected to do more. And because some of those people are going to be working remotely, then again, the device and the tools are so more important, particularly around collaboration, where you have to be really efficient within that team when you're not necessarily sat next to them. Um, and an obvious reduction in staff is going to mean, and people working more remotely, is going to mean office space isn't required as much. So there's going to be a reduction in office space, maybe even people moving to smaller premises. So there is still going to be, unfortunately, some opportunity there um, for you know new office kit outs and, again, getting the right technology for users. Okay. Thank you. Lucy? Yeah, it's a, it's a really sensitive topic and one that, None of us want to be talking about, but I guess some interesting insight I had from talking to a few friends outside of work was the kind of corporation that you're working for and the size of it. So the larger corporations may have had to use that furlough scheme more, whereas the smaller companies have been able to be more agile uh, and lean on the resources around them, um, allowing them to take on more work. But maybe if they don't have a marketing department, they're able to um, now set up 
accounts with those smaller marketing companies that maybe weren't or didn't have this opportunity before. Um, if anything, I just think it's a good time to check who's around you. Your distribution partners are there. We're here to help. Um, it's a great time to be able to talk to us, talk to the vendors, talk to the people around you, around what other things you maybe don't know about that we can help with. Okay, thanks, John. It's a very morbid subject, isn't it, Wayne? I know, uh, sorry. Very different direction. But in terms of the marketplace, I mean, you know, putting myself in, in one of our partner's shoes, so looking at the end-user marketplace, I actually think it's quite hard to say what impact this is going to have because you can almost look at it two ways. There is going to be a reduction in office footprint. There is going to be a need for greater collaboration. So that could actually mean that there's going to be more investment by end users into their video systems, unified communications, meeting room technologies. They're actually going to put more of an emphasis than they might have done historically into those budgets. At the same time, if they're generally having to cut costs and, and reduce those purse strings, it could go the other way. So I think for the next six, nine, 12 months, however long we are in this situation, it's going to be very interesting to see what that looks like. But flipping this back around as a salesperson, that's why it's key to diversify as Lucy's been talking about to make sure you've got a clear go-to-market strategy so that when these opportunities are available you're the first point of contact whether you've been a phone system provider or a video provider you're now covering all the different technologies and making sure you're getting hold of all the opportunities possible okay well that makes sense it does make sense and I guess luckily our industry has been fairly resilient with regards to you know we're selling the technology that that people are still buying at the minute but if unfortunately it, it you know the staff reductions affects our resellers where do you see us being able to fill you know their ability to deliver the solutions john well you know as we've hinted at before we, we're fortunate in that we've got a fantastic pre-sales team. Steve, checking the post, please. Uh, we've got the engineering capabilities, the post-sales support, so we can almost be that extension of our partners' organisations. If they are reducing their staff numbers or furloughing staff or whatever it looks like, um, they can still lean on us to be able to... to support their customers um we can help them diversify as we keep talking about we can help them bring new products and new solutions to their customers so for our partners um although it might be you know some some difficult or some tricky times there is resource available to them outside of their organization okay i fully agreed steve well i mean if, if you look at just training, for, for example, we, we've always been pretty good at training. It's something we've done for years and years. But, you know, based purely on our inability to deliver our traditional training, which was, you know, down south and up north, um, and, the, you know, the, the feedback from the survey about our partners wanting to, you know, diversify their offerings, we've essentially created over 40 courses uh, in our Scouts University, which were all um, virtual-led uh, and generally sales and introduction so people can just log on have an hour of learning about one of our vendors and it, and it sets them off on that learning journey and specifically around microsoft we've come up with a, a whole training regime for for, for, for sales guys to, uh, and gals to talk about anything uh, to talk about microsoft so anything 365 is our offering where people can learn about all the products and services that are relevant to a customer moving to Microsoft Teams. So I think education is, is my answer short. Uh, and then um, 
go from there. Okay. It wasn't very short, but training, training, training. Yes. Okay. Lucy? I've got nothing further to add. We, I mean, as John said, we've got a full portfolio. So no matter what area you're in at the moment, we can help you with different diversifying into a new one, whether that be AV or UC. Um, and then we've got a great tech team. So whether that uh, education is needed on a training level, on an installation level, on a, just a post-sales and consultancy level, we've got it to offer. Yeah, and I guess overall, if our resellers do find themselves in that unfortunate position, then again, maybe that's more of a steer towards agency where you don't necessarily need as much skin in the game to be able to get out and sell the solution. Okay, thank you. A couple more questions left. Can we please know this is the penultimate question? So <clears throat> uh, we've all known that body language is a lot of communication when you're face-to-face. -face. And so everyone wearing face masks at the minute, it's difficult to know if they're smiling, happy, upset or what. So I just generally avoid them. But Illinois Uni found that 85% of communication is through body language. And the absence of body language may well explain the popularity of Zoom parties and what have you in the absence of any decent pubs being open. <clears throat> Many of the vendors have been good corporate citizens and will lure people in on either a limited time free trial or discounted licenses for a period of time. What likely effect is that going to have on companies' sort of attitude to cost, um, given that budgets and what have you are likely to be reduced? Lucy, let's start with you on that one. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a great thing that vendors have been able to do that and have been able to be so flexible. But I think it's going to have a bit of an impact on how end users view the cost of their solutions. We don't know how long these kind of promotions are going to last. Um, and once those promotions end, and there could be a significant price rise, that might cause end users to look around and look at other vendors. Um, from a vendor perspective, this is going to drive false pipelines. Uh, and it's going to lead to confusion probably within the sales teams because wondering which, which avenue are people actually going down, which platform do I need to be focusing on because we're not actually taking a step back and going, right, okay, the solution or the promotion has finished. This was the right solution for you. This worked for your sales team. This uh, was able to integrate into whatever platforms they may already have. And it's educating the end user to realize that that cost increase is worth it. And um, that is what I think distribution partners should be helping with, what vendors should be helping with uh, through R&D, and obviously what uh, partners are going to be doing with their wraparound of technical expertise and you know, whatever other products that they um, add on. So I guess to answer your question, I think it will alter um, attitudes within end users, but I think it will also create um, an area for partners to be able to speak to the, these end users, understand that strategy, and, and show them why that solution worked for that environment. I hope that makes okay. sense. Hey, it does. Yeah, and again, I, I suppose from a point you made earlier, it's even more reason not to pick a solution that is reliant on a single vendor um, in case you decide that you don't like that vendor anymore from a, a cloud services point of view. Um, Steve, what's the techies for you? Yeah, well, I think, as Lucy said, and even John earlier, so there was initial land grab for anything free or cheap um, and to some extent paid you know where people just went right give me 
500 Zoom licenses or whatever, other products are available. But now with the return to, to office, it's going to be a chance for partners to get involved in the review. If everything was just a grab, now it's a sit down, let's review costs, let's review options. Um, and it's a consultancy piece at that point. Um, one particular kind of vertical, which is, is really important, I think, is education. Um, again, around the, the attitude to cost. I think my belief is we're going to end up in a scenario where education isn't either in the classroom or at home. We're going to get more and more circumstances where you have got that mix. So teachers are going to need low-cost solutions because it's education, but high quality. So if we have products in our portfolio that can cater for that particular vertical, then yes, people want low-cost, um, but we can deliver high quality as well. Okay, thank you. John, salesman, you're always seeing an opportunity. Go on, I'll teed you up there, John. Thank you very much. Um, it's, it is a hard one to answer, Wayne, because in terms of the end user's attitudes, it's all going to depend on the individual organisation. So if you've got someone that's taken free Zoom, free Teams, or other, other platforms are available, as we say, if it's become an integral part of their business and they've fully adopted it and they're seeing better better productivity, better collaboration, that means they can reduce their office footprint. It might become so ingrained in their business that they're going to have to invest in it when these trials end. So they're going to spend, it doesn't really matter too much within reason what the budget is going to be. Um, however, there is now an expectation that certain platforms and certain, certain functionalities are cheap are free maybe and i think there's going to be some shocks when actual commercial pricing comes out and promotions end so it is very hard to say but again as you said as the salesperson that is why it is so important to be consultative to have multiple different options available to end users if they don't like a b or c have you got d or e that you can offer them and as long as you're that value-added partner to your end users, I think they'll always come back to you. They'll trust you as an advisor. They'll work closely with you, and your business as a reseller will be protected. Um, but it, as I keep saying, the next 6, 9, 12 months or even longer, it's going to be very interesting to see what the new normal is and what impact that's had exactly. Okay, so Lucy, just carrying on a little bit from what John said there at the end of his call so how would you suggest that resellers sort of maximize the deal potential revenue bearing in mind end users attitude to cost is they're going to want it cheap because it's free isn't it well that's the thing it isn't free um i think you're going to see a level where one a lot of vendors will be introducing different licensing models i think we have already seen a few examples of that but it's showing people that sometimes it Let's take a VMR. Sometimes it isn't just a VMR that you need. Sometimes you need to make sure and ask the questions of what else are you talking to? Do you need to integrate with teams? Who else are you talking to? It may be of how are you using those VMRs? If you look at um, some of the new features that are on um, BlueJeans and Zoom, those kind of breakout rooms, you need to be selling uh, those kinds of licenses and understanding, okay, well, what other things does this solution have or could present itself to you that you aren't aware of it it goes back to the beginning it's the education piece and it's showing that okay well if you switch this other solution that may look as john says cheap as chips what about in this scenario that you said you it's a requirement for you to be able to have that what about this other scenario it's not always a one person decision will win and sometimes you need to highlight that okay this does work for you but what about your sales team will it work for them um, and yeah, educating 
on the full business strategy and not just one segment. Okay, thank you. And John, I'll give you the last word on that if you need it. Have you got anything to add? I always like the last word, Wayne, you know me. Um, yeah, I mean, again, just to, to you know, hammer the nail home, so to speak, it's it's about consult consultation. It's about expanding those deals. It's about understanding the end user's requirement. What, why are they actually looking at taking a new technology or a new solution? What are they actually trying to do with it? And if they do see that investment as a, as a you know, as a route forward, what else can that solution do that maybe they hadn't thought about as a requirement? So that's where consultation, that's where pre-sales, that's where um, reviews and, and post-sales support become absolutely vital. And in this market, as we've said, that is challenging at the moment with reductions, furloughs and, and, and things like that that is going to become more and more vital to the reseller base. And the ones that do adopt that strategy, if they haven't done already, the ones that do take that with both with hold of that with both hands, they're the ones that are going to survive this and possibly come out the other side even better. I can't believe this is happening, but I'm actually in agreement with you, John. So we've got record that way. recorded as well. There we go. This is a good day. <laughs> For you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go and wash my mouth out with soap. <laughs> or hand sanitizer. Or hand sanitizer. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, you'd be pleased to know it's the last question. So it's an area we've already discussed, and it's come up a, you know, a few times. But Gartner Research has found that 13% of CFOs have already reduced costs in real estate as the next normal sort of bites and becomes reality. <clears throat> Whilst productivity can be maintained, as we've already discussed, with the right collaboration tools and, you know, the right training, I'm finding corporate identity and innovation amongst the team and the wider team is sort of... It's difficult to maintain when you, you don't have that banter, you don't have that day-to-day -day hearing what's going on in the office. It might just be that I'm a control freak. But what good or bad examples have you seen either from our customers, from ourselves, or from our vendors um, at sort of maintaining that sort of corporate identity and innovation whilst we've all been sat working from home? Um, and John, let's start with you on that one, so you don't get the last word this time. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky. Um, I've seen a variety of methods. I mean, I, I think the main thing is that we're seeing, whether it's end users, whether it's partners, distributors, ourselves, people are having to become a little bit more creative. We've all done death by PowerPoint and video conferencing and, dare I say it, webinars and podcasts, Wayne. But I think having that creativity of throwing in something fun or throwing something out of the normal in there or what the style is or, or what sets you out from the rest because if you look at just the vendors and distributors and, and new product releases there's an awful lot of video content we can watch and, and audio content we can listen to but what's going to keep users engaged what's going to make people actually want to sit down and divert their time to still be looking at a screen but maybe outside of working hours um and We've all seen quizzes, but I think some of the more creative videos that I know Steve and his team have been doing, uh, we've had our Goss with Moss series internally, uh, which have had a bit of a, a different flavour on them. So it's that creative element, and I think we're going to see more of it. I think we're going to see more organisations investing into ways to stand out from the rest of the crowd. Okay. I fully agree. I, mean, I, I don't think tech sales and merch have ever been quite as engaged with marketing on a consistent basis ever 
than before lockdown, really. And um, Lucy, what's your view? Well, as I like to be uh, a bit more pessimistic at times, shall we say, let's go for the not so good that maybe I've seen or heard about. And luckily, this isn't isn't a scam source. I probably should put in my own disclaimer right there. Um, But I think, as you touched on, Wayne, control freak. We all know that you're not the only one in uh, in this call or on this podcast. Um, But people got tested at the beginning of lockdown. The trust of the employee got tested a lot, and which is, you know, the fear of working from home. We're lucky because we've been given this flexibility before, whether that be working in the city, whether that be uh, Steve working from home, John working from home. Um, we've had that level of trust that we've been able to show. Other people haven't, other companies haven't. So I was hearing uh, stories where people had different platforms where if you're on a video call or something like this and you click somewhere else or maybe looked at a different screen for 30 seconds and the activity was focused there, your manager got a flag. Now, for me personally, that that would annoy me and that would definitely uh, not maintain my corporate culture or innovation. Um, so I think people need to be mindful of, yes, you need to make sure that you have got a productive workforce and that people are doing the tasks in hand, but making sure that you don't go to the extreme where you're feeling like you're under scrutiny more so than you're, you know, you're back in the office and your manager's just hobbing over your desk going, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Um, that, that trust needs to be there. Um, well, I think due to the length of time this has been going on for and people have been working from home, it started to grow a lot more. And people, as I said before, are now enjoying maybe that work-life balance more now that people are understanding um, the, the issues that come with it as well. Okay, thank you. And then finally, Steve. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I'll come at this from a slightly different angle because for six and a half years, I've been a home worker. That's kind of my primary location. And apart from seeing customers uh, and visiting our offices, you know, I've, I, I've had a different experience in the past to what I'm having now. I've never seen so many of my colleagues as I have over the last few months. You know, a few of you on this call, you may as well just come and live with me because I see you that many times every day um, <laughs> that wasn't an offer that wasn't an invitation but as john mentioned go and look at the scan source um eu youtube page and just look at the activity and the way we've been doing stuff different and it's been really great fun to get involved with some of the new stuff that we've been doing the etiquette videos the tech off we've had gosmos is, is a riot and and stuff like this so it's keeping the engagement and the teamwork and the innovation for us really well. Um, so yeah, all I'd say is final words from me, check out, you know, that page and our LinkedIn because we've, we've come up with some good content. I'm surprised you can give the www dot. I can't remember it. Right. Well, thank you very much. I'd like to thank the panel for their views and answering some pretty nasty questions, or at least I thought they were pretty nasty. Um, If you like it, please share, tell your colleagues about it, let us know. We would like this to be the first of many, but if we don't get any likes and nobody bothers downloading the podcast or the video, we probably won't continue. But we're planning on doing more in-depth on Teams, more in-depth on networking, winning from home. So let us know that you like it. Let us know if you want more and we'll happily deliver. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.